you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. This is where we spend 48 minutes every week unpacking questions, fun questions, real-life questions. Yeah, hey, we hear the success stories, but we also hear the challenges that we all face and just spend some time unpacking those so we can all raise our level of success together. Here's some of the things we'll be looking at today. I feel like I have missed the boat when trying to answer the question, why am I here? How about this one, Dan? Are people born entrepreneurs or can I learn to be one? I love that question. I've got some things I want to share about that. I've got 18 characteristics of entrepreneurs and you can identify if you are one or if you are not. Dan, I've been a nurse practitioner for 11 years and I found it draining emotionally and mentally depleting any creativity I may have. Ouch. With that stuff, if, if you've trained for a particular profession and then find it emotionally draining and mentally depleting, ooh, ouch. What are the options? We'll talk about that. Dan, should I pay $2,095 for my first choice domain name? And then I got somebody says, how did you meet Dave Ramsey? And how are you guys, you know, how... How are you guys friends today? Well, I'll share some of that. Happy to do so. Here's our quotation for today. Now, this comes from Frederick Nietzsche. Okay, now some of you are going to block it off right away because it comes from a crazy man. But no, listen to this. And then I want to talk about how quotations are attributed. And those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. Now, that's a cool thought. Erase for a minute who I said said that. Those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. And I love that thought. Now, this is the deal. Attribution for quotations is a funny kind of thing. A very arbitrary kind of thing. It's hard to really find a precise pointer that shows where Friedrich Nietzsche said that quotation. And it's been used by others. As a matter of fact, uh, the actress, supermodel Megan Fox has that quotation tattooed across her back and side. She did not put who said it because there is some question about that, but she has tattooed on her side. Very beautiful. You can check it out if you want to. Those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. Now here's the deal about quotations. People ask about this a lot. People ask a lot if they can use things that I've said in some of my books, you know, in writing that they're doing. Sure, you know, do that. And my gosh, my books are full of things that I, uh, quotations that I use from other people. There's an implied credibility that comes, you know, if you have something in it by Socrates, Aristotle, or John F. Kennedy, or Thomas Edison, or Abraham Lincoln, whoever it happens to be, there's an implied credibility by quoting something that somebody else said. But here's where it gets a little confusing. Speaking of confusing and Confucius, one time I asked on a live radio show, I said, you tell me who said this statement and I'll give you a free book or something. It was find a job you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Well, that's been attributed. Well, let me just read through that. Just in a very quick search, I found this. 
Choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. Confucius. Choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. Anonymous. If you find a job you love, you'll never work again. Winston Churchill. My father always told me, find a job you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Jim Fox. If you get a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Forrest Griffin. Find something you love to do and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Harvey McKay. Back in uh, 1985, there was a little self-help guidebook titled How to Start, Expand, and Sell a Business by James Kaminsky. And he described an oriental proverb from back in the 600s. An oriental proverb quite aptly states, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So you see how quotations are kind of funneled through and they're repeated again and again and again. I mean, among speakers, you know, we joke sometimes at the progression because, you know, we'll say Confucius said, choose a job you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. The next time you say it, you say, I heard it once said, choose a job you love. You'll never have to work a day in your life. The third time you say it, it's as I tell people, choose a job you love and you never have to work a day in your life. You know, a lot of times things that are famous quotations become attributed to other people who may be saying it and where somebody in the audience is hearing for the first time. And so they attribute it to that person. I mean, the famous one, you know, what we fear is our own greatness from Marianne Williamson. Well, Nelson Mandela used that. And a lot of people attribute that to Nelson Mandela. And it's like that in books. Well, it just happens. So be comfortable, but don't be concerned. I mean, I use quotations that are attributed to Adolf Hitler. I mean, it doesn't really matter if it's a good thought. It's a good thought and stand on its own just because you don't happen to agree with the entire philosophy or lifestyle of the person that it's attributed to doesn't mean that it's not a good thought to be shared. All right, enough of that. Um, I want to talk to you about some success stories that we've got. Got some fun things that are happening in the 48 Days community. I want to talk to you about that. First, I want to share just this from our sponsor. I want to talk to you about my friends at Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to the consumers. Now think about the usual process. Mattress is manufactured somewhere, then it goes through retailers, ultimately ends up in a little store in your town where they have to pay salespeople, pay utilities, and keep the lights on and rent. That's not what they do at Casper. They sell directly to you. Do you think that may provide a significant savings? For a better quality mattress? Absolutely. I mean, there's a whole lot of teams that have worked on developing the Casper mattress. You've heard me talk about it. People rush to claim the room with a Casper mattress in it in our guest house when they're here on our property in Franklin, Tennessee. That's the response that we get again and again and again. Now, mattresses can cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin size. 750 for a full, 850 for a queen, and 950 for a king. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. They offer free delivery, free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. That's the way that it is. Time Magazine named Casper one of the best inventions of 2015, and now it's the most awarded mattress of the decade. 
Here's the deal. We got a special offer for you. As you know, go to casper.com slash sleep you love and use the promo code sleep you love to save $50 off your purchase. Let me give that to you again. Casper.com slash sleep you love. Then use the promo code sleep you love to save $50 off your purchase. Now, you know, I always love sharing the success stories. There's just so much going on. People that are helping each other, people that are coming out with new courses, books, products, starting businesses of all kinds in the 48 Days community. Uh, Got a blog that was put up by Dr. Terry Hathaway, who's on our team here at 48 Days, how to make $77,000 extra doing what you love. Now, he talks in that. Now, that's a blog that's up on 48days.net. You can find it there. He talks about how... If you develop a course and have a course that's selling for, say, $297, doesn't have to sell a whole lot week after week for you to, in fact, make $77,000. And it goes through the math and how to do that. And those are real kind of ideas that people are sharing. Robert Longley said, my daughter recently came up with an idea that could be very profitable, but it is relatively simple. The best way for it to work would be licensing it to companies already in the space. My question is, how do you share the idea without having them simply running with it without you? I don't know if it would be patentable. It's simply taking something that companies already have that is not being used at certain times of the day and repurposing it. They would be adding another revenue stream for something they already have. Well, he put that up as a question, got immediate feedback from people like Alan Dubon, who says, you know, it's a hard to really comment because the idea is a little vague, but uh, sometimes having an idea isn't enough. Do you have an easy way for them to implement your idea? Um, Pete Herrick responded. He said he gave a, a lot of points, but he said, Dan always points out that ideas aren't worth anything until they're put into practice and shared. We need to get past the idea that any great thought we might have might be stolen, spend too much time protecting it, start talking to people about it. That can be done sparingly and with the appropriate people, but just start. Well, he's absolutely right. I mean, the feedback that people give each other in there is invaluable. But in response to Robert's question, yeah, you know, just showing a company how they can do something better is probably not something that you're going to get paid for. I mean, my, my encouragement would be just do it out of the goodness of your heart. I mean, trust, trust the total response, trust the law of the harvest for that coming back to you, multiplied, pressed down, stacked up, all those things that the Bible uh, promises us share your ideas freely and especially something like this rather than trying to protect it and get somebody to pay you for it hey just share it who knows what that can lead to but um, the idea itself is probably not going to get you any money Aaron Kerr had recently had his course on public domain publishing I've talked about that a lot on here I love the idea of finding things in antiquity finding things that have been written 200 years ago that are now in the public domain. So they aren't being protected by a copyright. They're in the public domain. You can pull that up, republish it. He has a course. A whole bunch of people took that course. Delightful to see that they did. And he mentions a couple people. Heather Bonham released her first public domain work titled My Daily Meditation for the Circling Year. Uh, Beth Underwood put together a compilation under the title American Grit, anthology of timeless poems and stories that shaped a nation's character. Those are people who took things out of the public domain. Now they have products that are up on Amazon. So I'd love to see those success stories coming out like that. Eric Andres 
Uh, he's a young guy who's a teacher up in Canada, and he has a podcast called How to Be a Grown-Up. I mean, he's challenging these kids, who a lot of them who do not have good mentors, good role models, and so he puts together a podcast to encourage them, has people on there. I had the privilege of being interviewed by him, and now he's releasing that. But what a great idea to have somebody who's a teacher who's going beyond just the requirements of the classroom to really be a role model and bring other people into the lives of these young kids so they really have some role models that they can follow. Love, love, love the kind of stuff that you're doing there. Hey, and we're going to end with that. You got a story that you want to share, a success story? Be delighted to hear that. Share it with our audience here. Just go to 48days.com, click on the Ask Dan link, and you can submit it there. Or you can just shoot an email in to me directly, askdan at 48days.com. Again, that email is askdan at 48days.com. You can send not only your success stories there, but also your questions. Most of the questions that we have on here week after week come in that way. If you use the little button at the Ask Dan link, it can find you to 60 words, and most people cringe at that, so they figure out how to get around that. Just send an email, and that's fine. Again, as long as it's as long as it's fairly short. Well, a lot of things happening around here. We've got our last open event of the year coming up. That is Coaching with Excellence, our most popular event. We always max it out at 48 people. Got a few spots left in there. Just looking, we're now about two weeks out from that. As I'm recording this, it's going to be August 25th and 26th. That's the one where we help people take an idea that you're already working on. A lot of you recognize that you already are coaching. People are coming to you asking for your advice and opinion on something. It may be on health and fitness. It may be on gardening. It may be on restoring old cars. It may be on how to find your purpose, how to find direction, how to transition a job. If people are already coming to you and asking you those kind of questions, it may be a pretty easy step to position you as a coach where you do get paid for that, where you can write, speak, coach. That's what we show you. That's what we've done with a whole lot of people, hundreds of people who have come through the Coaching with Excellence. You see them now all around the 48 Days community doing what they're doing successfully. We're proud to be just a part of that starting process. We're going to also have specialty coffee here. Terry and Melinda Hathaway are going to be set up out on a patio each morning for Coaching with Excellence. They brew their own, grind their own beans, brew their own coffee. It's high-end stuff, high-octane stuff. They're here to just share that with you. We're also going to have a professional photographer here who will take your picture. No charge at all for that. Just something he enjoys doing. We love having Frank around. So if you want to have a professional, leave with a professional headshot. For your website, or if you're from emotional materials, you'll be able to do that as well. Again, if you just if you really just want information about how to get started in coaching, I've got 10 tips for getting your first coaching client. If you go to 48days.com slash clients, clients, plural, you can find that. You get a link right to that 10 tips for getting your first paid coaching client. Also, remember, we got the cruise coming up. I've seen a bunch of people jump on board for that. Jump on board. I guess that's a good pun for that. But I've seen new people that are lining up for that, sending me notes that they're going to be joining us there. That's going to be a, an amazing time, February 12th through the 19th, leaving from Fort Lauderdale. The Ultimate Advantage Cruise. Our theme is going to be living well, doing good. Be delighted to see you there. Now, last week we had a question from young man, Alex, who said the challenges, I'm 33 years old, 
and it may be too late for me or simply out of reach. He said, I want to transition in my career from corporate finance to software development. Now, I just read that, had just a couple pointers for Alex, but we had the audience respond as usual. Thank you listeners for responding. We had a whole bunch of people that responded that are willing to help Alex in that transition from corporate finance to software development. People who are very successful as software developers and are more than happy to talk to Alex to help give him pointers, advice, coaching, guidance for making the transition. So thanks. Just a few of you here. Tom Hendrickson, Ross Wickman, Timo Gauch, Curtis McHale, Thank you all so much for your notes. I've passed those all on to Alex. We're going to flood him with your advice and offers to help. And he's already responded back to me that, yes, he is, in fact, extremely grateful. And he's taken advantage of that. Now, this comes from Liz, who says, I enjoy listening to your podcast. Your sharing and inspiration have been a positive influence in my life. That being said, I sometimes find myself in a horrible slump and have a hard time listening to some of the success stories because it leaves me feeling left behind. I've overcome many obstacles. I was raised in a very dysfunctional atmosphere with alcoholism and inappropriate adult-child interactions. I also, being a product of my upbringing, became involved in an abusive marriage. I'm currently happily abuse-free now for over 13 years. I've earned a bachelor's degree and really worked hard to improve my life. My children are grown and on their own now. Although my life has come a long way, I know I've not fulfilled my true meaning in life I feel like I have missed the boat when trying to answer the question, why am I here? Some days I just don't feel I can continue to push on. I'm smart and talented, could do anything, but nothing thus far has given me true fulfillment. I have your book 48 days and I'm in my second time reading through, is it hopeless for me? Liz, it is absolutely not hopeless for you. And I tell people continually, it's never too late to have a new beginning. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 88. It's not too late to draw a line in the sand and have a new beginning. Personal understanding is a journey. It's not something we can just read in a book. It's something that has to come through combination of getting new information, but then understanding and application of that. You hear me talk about that a lot. It's not enough just to accumulate knowledge and information. You have to move beyond that. But I would encourage you to surround yourself with people who are winning not whining. I mean, if you hang it around, you know, the old adage, if you're, it's hard to be an eagle if you're hanging around with turkeys. Well, make it a point to spend time with people who are performing at the level which you want to perform. People who are winning in their lives. Yeah, you want to spend time with them. And you can find people like that. Believe me, it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, you can find people like that. And then keep listening, reading, believing that you can create the future that you want. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for being a 48 days podcast listener. Hopefully listening to the podcast every week does give you some, not only just inspiration and motivation, hope and encouragement, but also real tangible things you can do to move forward in this process. I was working with one of our coaching mastery participants this week and, and her comment in essence was, why is it taking me so long to learn this? And I laughed because you know, the timing has to be right in our lives. We, we hear when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that's pretty true. You know, we have to be ready for a particular message. I just read a book. There are three books that have dramatically impacted me this year. Those being Essentialism by Greg McCowan, Deep Work by Cal Newport, 
and Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Quite different books, but anyway, I read deep work. It's radically changing how I'm laying out and structuring my work week. Deep work talks about the fact that people who do extraordinary things spend time in those. I mean, I talk about my own time spent in focused, uninterrupted blocks of time, but I'm going to go even further with that. There are so many distractions in today's world. Knowing that it takes about 18 minutes to get back into the level of what you were doing after an interruption, think about the times that you responded to a text, email popped up, phone rang, something happened, Facebook notification, no message. Those things go on 24-7. And if you are allowing yourself to be distracted by those, you're probably never going to do real deep, significant work. Deep work reminded me, Cal Newport is an academician, has a lot of research in there, but talked about study after study, person after person who did extraordinary work because they would isolate themselves to just work on that project for a very lengthy period of time. I'm going to do more of that. It had a profound impact on me. Now, do I regret that I didn't know that when I was 18? No, not at all. I needed the life experience that I've had to prepare me to receive that message. So allow yourself that grace, Liz. You probably weren't ready for some of the things that you're hearing now, some of the things that you're implementing in your own life. Just be confident and rejoice over the idea that now it is time. Now you are able to more clearly than ever define your course, map out what you want the next three, five, ten years to be. Paul says, Dan, occasionally I've heard successful entrepreneurs tell stories about being fired from jobs. Some saying that they were or would be terrible as an employee. Many of the success stories I've encountered describe the journeys of people who had jobs or careers in corporate America, but just decided they had had enough and went in another direction. In your view, what are the signs and symptoms for each group? Those who would not be good employees and those who evolve or are no longer a good fit as an employee. Can becoming an entrepreneur be a progression rather than a predisposition? Thanks for the encouragement and guidance you offered so many. Kelly, I love that question. Can becoming an entrepreneur be a progression rather than a predisposition? Yes, absolutely. But now let's unpack this a little. I want to spend a little time here. I want to talk about the characteristics of entrepreneurs so you can stop beating yourself up if you are or you aren't. I mean, this is not good, bad, right, or wrong. This is just recognizing one of many options out there. You know, sometimes people assume that with my personal bent that I expect everybody to ultimately end up being an entrepreneur. That's not true at all. I mean, certainly not. What I want people is to recognize the broad spectrum of opportunities, knowing that being an employee is just one small choice. There are a whole lot of things that you can choose from. You can be a consultant. You can get a franchise where you have a proven model, but are still, still have a clear structure to follow. You know, then you can move over toward being more entrepreneurial, the kind of things that we think about where people just take an idea and go on their own, may not have any employees, no office. I mean, sure, there, all those are possibilities. And fortunately, we all get to choose where we're going to land on that. But it's not that one is better than another. Can you become, a pro, become an entrepreneur by learning how to do it? Sure, you can do that. I mean, we see that happen to a lot of people who 
come through the traditional work model for the first few years of their career. And then at 35 or 45 or 55 decide, ah, you know, I'm tired of being vulnerable to corporate politics. I'm tired of making money for somebody else's idea. I want to do something of my own. And so they move into that. There's a lot of talk out there, certainly books that have been written on accidental entrepreneur where somebody didn't plan on being an entrepreneur, but because they lost their job and couldn't duplicate their previous salary or income, decided they needed to do something on their own. Very legitimate choice. I mean, knowing that if a company takes you on, your efforts ought to produce three to five times in profitability, what they're paying you. So if you go out on your own, certainly logistically, we can look at the math on that and think, well, you, if you do the same kind of work, it ought to increase your income dramatically because you're making money for yourself rather than making money for a company or for somebody else. Is it true that a whole lot of successful people were fired at some point because they weren't functioning well as employees? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, pretty much anything, anybody we can pin out there got fired along the way some at some point. Steve Jobs, Walt Disney, Mark Cuban, J.K. Rowling, Michael Bloomberg, Anna Wintour, editor of Vogue magazine, Madonna, golly, when Madonna dropped out of college and moved to New York to find her fame, she took a job at Dunkin' Donuts in Times Square. She didn't even last one day. After squirting jelly filling all, all over a customer, her managers kicked her out after one day. Well, the material girl, you know, went through a whole lot of fast food and waitressing jobs before she actually made her own fame. Oprah, golly, there was a Baltimore TV producer told Oprah that she was unfit for television news, fired her from the position. Jerry Seinfeld, one of his first gigs that he had, he thought he was really in good shape, came in, they had cut him out of the script, totally. Um, The New Yorker, fired Truman Capote after he insulted poet Robert Frost. Um, He had attended a meeting by the famed poet Robert Frost. He was sick with a cold and he left in the middle of the meeting. Robert Frost was so deeply insulted. He knew where Capote worked. He demanded that the magazine fire the boy. Well, they did. And Truman Capote went on to do his own work. And Robert Redford was a lazy, sloppy manual worker. As a teenager, he was he was working at Standard Oil when a supervisor found him asleep on the job. So they, they didn't fire him the first time. They switched him to another department where he continued to screw up after smashing several cases of glass bottles. He was just fired, terminated. And getting fired, as he tells, encouraged him to pursue other dreams. Um, right before they started Home Depot, co-founders Bernie Marcus and Arthur Blank were fired from their jobs, and they went off to be pretty successful in starting Home Depot, which now does billions of dollars in sales every year. Elvis, I just I, I had a interruption in my sleep the other night. I got up and I watched one of the Gaither programs. It was the gospel music of Elvis, and just phenomenal. Just so engaging how much heart and soul he put into his music, especially the gospel music that he loved so much. Boy, he got fired from a whole bunch of jobs as he was starting out. I mean, the manager, as a matter of fact, the manager of the Grand Ole Opry, when Elvis was trying to 
pursue his singing, told Elvis he better stick with driving trucks because that's what he was going to be well-suited for, certainly not singing. Well, that kind of changed around. So, yeah, there are a whole lot of people who are entrepreneurs who got fired from positions who would be poor employees and prove themselves to be so. Now, how do people become millionaires? I mean, I've shared this on here before. Brian Tracy has three points that he shares. Number one, having clear goals. Number two, continuous learning. Number three, willingness to take risk. Now, I want to grab a copy right here of 48 Days to the Work You Love. If you've got the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love, the 10th anniversary edition, in chapter 11, I go through 18 characteristics of entrepreneurs. In a section I title, Do You Have What It Takes? Do you have what it takes to work on your own? It's not just a matter of saying, well, I don't like my job, so I'm going to do something on my own. You better have the characteristics that would make you a candidate for doing this. Now, they're 18, but I'm going to just read through them because it's so much a part of so many of the continuing questions that I get here that I think it's an important part of this. So here's what I list as 18 characteristics. The more you answer yes, the more likely you are an entrepreneur and could do something on your own. Number one, are you a self-starter? Number two, do you get along with different kinds of people? Number three, do you have a positive outlook? Number four, are you able to make decisions? Number five, are you able to accept responsibility? Now in the book, I give an expansion on under each of those. You know, obviously if you're not able to make decisions, it's going to be crippling as an entrepreneur, but I'm here. I'm just going to give you the, the highlights I'll try, I ought to put that up. I mean, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll get this up as a standalone PDF that I can pass along to you. These 18 characteristics. So we just have it as a download. Number five, are you able to accept responsibility? Number six, do you enjoy competition? Seven, do you have willpower and self-discipline? Eight, do you plan ahead? Nine, can you take advice from others? 10, are you adaptable to changing conditions? 11, can you stick with it? 12, do you have a high level of confidence and belief in what you're doing? 13, do you enjoy what you are going to do? 14, can you sell yourself and your ideas? I've talked to a couple people just this week about their resistance to selling. I've talked to a very talented young man who is really brilliant in thinking, strategizing, developing branding, ideas, positioning absolutely hates selling in any form. We have to look at that. I mean, selling is not the old manipulating and conning people into something they don't want or need. No, selling is simply sharing enthusiasm. Professional selling is that. So you better have something that you are so excited about that you would want your next door neighbor and your first cousin to have it, that you totally believe if they don't, they're going to be worse off as a result. You totally believe that if they invest the money in the product or service you have, that their life would be better. So can you sell yourself and your ideas? You got to be able to sell it. Number 15, are you prepared to work long hours? Sure. Being an entrepreneur gives you flexibility. And if we do the math on the fact that a company, you need to make three times in profitability what they're going to pay you. Theoretically, then you ought to be able to work half the time that you did and still make the same amount of money. But typically that's not what entrepreneurs do. We love what we're doing. I mean, I, I have some things in place that are working pretty well. I still work a lot of hours because I love doing what I'm doing. We were recently in England for a few weeks and 
you know, spent a lot of time gone this summer. I was counting the days to get back home because there's no place I'd rather be than sitting right here in my office, in my converted barn, in the middle of a cow pasture in Franklin, Tennessee. This is where, this is my favorite spot in the world to be. I don't want to be off sitting on a beach somewhere. I want to be here because I love what I do that much. Number 16, do you have the physical and emotional energy to run a business? 17, do you have the support of your family and or spouse? Got to have that. That's a critical one. Joanna and I have done some podcasts on how to live with an entrepreneurial spouse. What if you're the negative spouse? Those kind of issues. But you have to have the support of those closest to you or it's going to be really tough to make it work. And number 18, are you willing to risk your own money in this venture? A lot of people show up and they say, Dan, how can I go to the bank and get money for my idea? How can I get venture capital people to put money in? I'm like, well, how much money do you need? Oh, 100000 Well, how much money do you have? Well, I've got 50000 but I don't want to risk it in this business. Ooh, that's a red flag. No, if you need $100,000 for a business and you have 50000 that's the first $50,000 that are going to go in. You can't fund a business finding other people or organizations that are willing to risk before you put everything you've got on the line. And actually, you know how that's going to go. You go to a bank and get a loan for $100,000, they're going to have to have full collateral, total, 100% collateral. That's going to mean, you know, the equity that you have in your house, you know, they're going to have take a mortgage on your house. They're going to lock up any stocks and bonds you've got, any kind of assets, resort property you've got. It's all going to go tied together because they're going to have everything covered, which in essence, at some level means you really don't need the bank. I mean, you, you're going to have to put in your own money to make it work. Well, and that's not an unrealistic way to go at all. Okay. Rather like the answer to your question, but, um, God, I thought it was time well spent to unpack that, Paul. Great question. You know, you can learn to be an entrepreneur. You can build those characteristics into your life, the things that we talked about there. But if at the end of the day you come up short and you only have three of those 18 characteristics, you probably need to find a great job, align yourself with a company, be part of a team. No shame in that at all. Trust me again, I'm not looking, making a case for talking you into being an entrepreneur. If it fits you, have fun with it. Rock and roll. I don't, you know, I can't imagine doing anything else personally, but if those things don't fit you, then hold your head high, do with excellence, a work model that works for you. All right. Joshua says, I know you highly encourage getting kids involved in entrepreneurial ventures and experiences. My son is almost 10 and has written a series of simple short stories. I've talked with him and I want to help him get the stories published in some fashion. What suggestions would you have for him or for me to help him? By the way, I have one of the stories at joshuarivers.net slash Sammy. Hasn't really had any editing, proofreading yet, but feedback is welcome. Well, yeah, you, you know that I love kids being involved in entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, the recent interview I did with my own granddaughter, Clara, about her book and how she's selling that. And it was one of the most uh, response, re, we got more responses to that than I've gotten probably anything I've done in the last couple of years. And, and in that, the response from adults was, I needed to be reminded how simple business is. Do something that has value. Find people who appreciate that. They'll give you money for that. That's a business. And people who needed to be remembered how simple business was. And I went through with Clara the characteristics of an entrepreneurial business. In that precious blending, that sweet spot 
of blending your passion, talent, and money. And walk through that with Clara, who at the time was eight years old, just turned nine now. But I love those ideas. There are so many things that kids can do. We have a podcast, and I'll put that in the show notes. We have a podcast too. When Joanna and I talked the entire podcast about examples of kids doing entrepreneurial things. When it comes to writing, writing well doesn't create a business. We have to recognize marketing is a really big piece of any writing, whether you are an eight-year-old little girl or whether you're a 60-year-old mature woman writing a book for the first time. Marketing is a really big piece. I shared about the, the time that Joanne and I went to Megabook University with Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, years ago when I was starting my own writing adventure and learning from him projected me to extraordinary success really quickly as I was promoting the 48 Days to the Work You Love. I went to a Mark Victor Hansen workshop, Megabook University, came back, and in the next about 24 months, sold over $2 million worth of 48 Days to the Work You Love just in a three-ring binder with two cassettes in it. Not as a published book. I never talked to a publisher, but just as a three-ring binder with two cassettes in it. But Mark told us at that conference, and he told Joanne and me in an elevator together, he says, Dan, I talk to a lot of people who want to write a book, and I tell them this, write a book, do a really good job. Make it really interesting, engaging, do good research, write a really good book. Now you're 10% finished. 10% of the process is writing a really good book. 90% is the marketing on that. So the idea of helping your son be successful, Joshua, with his book is how are you going to market it? Is he going to go to the farmer's market? My granddaughters do that. They set up at a farmer's market with their little books. They come to our live events, Coaching with Excellence. You come to Coaching with Excellence, you're going to see Clara and Ellie set up here with their little projects that they are doing as entrepreneurs to sell to a very captive audience. I mean, I love having them be able to do that. That's really what you've got to do is, is look at the marketing side. Can you and your son go to a local Barnes & Noble and schedule a book signing? where you tell the story of the book and have books available. Local bookstores tend to be very responsive to local authors. It's really not that complicated, even if it's a chain store like Barnes and Noble, but certainly find independents as well. We have one here in Franklin. It's called uh, landmark books and they're very open to having local authors come in and share their book ideas. There's a, there's a new podcast out there, Morgan James radio. I want to encourage you to listen to that as well. Any of you who are interested in writing books, check out Morgan James Radio. Morgan James is a publisher. They're the publisher of Joanne, my wife's new book, Creating a Haven of Peace. Jody Mayberry, dear friend of ours, hosts that along with David Hancock, CEO and founder of Morgan James Publishing. So Morgan James Radio, check it out through Stitcher, iTunes. You can find it there. That'll help you as well. Well, quick breather here. Grab my breath. Just a reminder that you're listening to Real Life Questions. If you've got questions, I'd certainly be delighted to hear those. Shoot those into me. Both questions and your success stories, just send them in to askdan at 48days.com. Get them in the lineup. Be shared with the audience right here as you hear these being done. Andrea 
says, I listen to your podcast on my commute to work. I look forward to hearing success stories and your suggestions every week. I've been a nurse for 11 years, currently practice in a local hospice as a nurse practitioner. I've tried different types of nursing in the clinic and hospital settings. And in the recent years, I've found it draining emotionally and mentally depleting any creativity I may have left. I enjoy crafts, writing, brainstorming, and I currently help my husband with product ideas and sometimes sourcing for his Amazon side business. I'm looking to transition from an eight to five job so I can have flexibility and eventually stay home with our future children. I'm pursuing teaching nursing, which could be more flexible in the long run. It would still take me away from the family. I've written a couple children's books, self-published on Amazon. These were not very successful due to poor marketing. I currently have one of the books at Morgan James under review for publication. What can I do to still use my nursing skills, expertise, and knowledge that would allow me flexibility to work from home or be another stream of income for us? I wanted to ask what kind of business or branding opportunity you thought I could pursue with my experience. My husband and I just signed up for the cruise in February, so we look forward to meeting you and your wife, Joanne. Well, thanks, Andrea. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you guys on the cruise as well. It's going to be a great time. The Ultimate Advantage cruise in February, leaving out of Fort Lauderdale. Now, in regard to your, your question, you know, I talk to a lot of people who have professional degrees, and yet after years of maybe doing a good service and it having served as a reasonable season in their lives, they're ready to move on to something else. And certainly those who are nurses, teachers, dentists, physicians, accountants, engineers, you know, pastors, all of those. Sometimes it's not that you made a mistake. You made a wrong turn somewhere. It's a no, that was a reasonable part of your life so far. Now it's time for a new season. And a lot of teachers are leaving teaching because of the, military environment in the classroom they're saying golly this is not what i signed up for i wanted to nurture and love on little kids and hug them well you can't do those things in the classroom anymore it's changed dramatically and a lot of teachers are saying i need to get out of this i want to do something else so the first thing to do andrea is look at yourself take a fresh look at who you are what are your unique skills and abilities what are your personality tendencies what are your values dreams and passions from those, you can get a clear focus, clearer than you've ever had because you have the value of life experience up to this point. Don't lock yourself into just being identified as being a nurse or that being the only option for things you could do even career-wise. Just wipe the slate clean, totally clean, take a fresh look at yourself. From that, you ought to be able to get a fresh idea of what it is that would really work for you, what you would be drawn to. Give yourself the luxury of going through a lot of ideas to see what the possibilities are. You can go through my 48 lower no cost business ideas. I would encourage you to pick up Crystal Payne's new book, Money Making Mom, because in that she goes through the structure and the possibilities, lots and lots of them for women who want to be primary caregivers for their children. They want to stay at home and yet they want to contribute income to the home Again, Money Making Mom by Crystal Payne. Crystal lives right here in Franklin, Tennessee, a neighbor of mine, her, her site is, um, money saving, money saving mom is her massive, massive website with lots and lots of tips there, but money making mom is her newest book. Rebecca says, wanted your opinion on a possible business name. It's for an online business. I'm wanting to start the domain I'm wanting to buy has a high price tag cost $2,095 
for the domain, but the domain with just an S in it, pluralizing the first word, cost $12. I recently got laid off wanting to try something new, but money is tight in your opinion. Based on long-term thinking, would it be wise to purchase my second best name or take that leap of purchasing the premium name? would really appreciate your opinion and feedback. Um, Rebecca, if you just got laid off, the last place in the world I would spend $2,000 is on buying a domain name. Never, never, never would I take hard-earned money and put it there. It's just not that important. I mean, you can get, there's thousands and thousands of names that are still available. You can do a, a, a new extension where instead of .com, it's .biz, .co, .coach. I mean, there's a whole lot of ways like that where you can use the exact words that you want, but just have a different extension on the end. But it's just not that important. It has so little to do with your success as a business. The main thing is to get involved in the business. I mean, just start your business using what it is that you can get for 12 bucks. Use that. You may find six months from now that you want to redirect, realign the business anyway. But the starting point, I would never make that kind of investment in an expensive domain. Thanks for the question. Great question. Ryan says, we love your show and your message. I would love to hear more about your relationship with Dave Ramsey. How did you guys originally meet? Well, let me tell you about that a little bit and we'll end with this. We met in 1990. Now in 1988, in September of 1988, Dave and I both crashed and burned in our businesses, hit the absolute bottom. We didn't know each other then and didn't meet until almost two years later. We met, we were both going to Christ Church in Nashville. We met, we were young and bruised, wounded, cried together, trying to figure out what in the world we were going to do when we grew up and put our big boy panties on. Dave had this passion for helping people not make the mistakes he had made in finances. I had a background. I had my master's in clinical psychology I had already been working with people and career transitions. I went through a major, major business crash myself, was deeply, deeply into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. We met, we hung on to each other, shared ideas, mapped out, help each other map out the businesses that we have today, looking exactly as they do. What would that look like? We saw that 26 years ago. Absolutely. We were able to see where we are today and mapped it out. I've walked that out. We then were asked to be part of a five-member team at that church to develop what we called a Barnabas program, a program where we would equip people to be caregivers. Dave agreed to coach people in the financial area. I agreed to coach people in the career area. Our businesses grew out of the volunteer work we were doing just with Hearts of Service in that church many, many years ago. There's, there's a book that's been written about that. It's called Let the River Run by the current pastor at Christ Church, Dan Scott. We have copies here. Oh, I'd like to, I mean, I, I have copies I can give away to anybody who wants a copy. Let the River Run that talks about that period of time in the life of that church. And he uses Dave and Dan, the two of us, he uses us as examples of how there was an entrepreneurial explosion in that church. There were some things that just happened to be right They've tried many times to replicate that event. It's impossible to do. But there was something that was right that allowed us to take our ideas, take our woundedness, our hurt, 
and develop it into ways of helping others and out of that in unexpected ways be able to profit and turn it into business very successful businesses ourselves dave and i've remained very very close friends over all those years we've watched our kids grow up i have on my desk here right now uh, the brand new book that rachel his daughter just wrote love your life not theirs i'm going to be interviewing her my daughter used to babysit her when she was getting her diapers changed now she's a grown mature woman very competent speaker and contributor in her own right so dave and i have remained very close over the years we live very close together right here in franklin tennessee i admire his work his work and his reference to my work has generated enormous amounts of uh, profitability success for me and hopefully some of the reverse has been true as well so that's how we met thanks for your question great questions today as always keep them coming in love this opportunity to share in your lives walk along this path of success together with you thanks for being people who are committed to no matter how it works out committed to finding or creating work that is meaningful purposeful and profitable have a great week oh.